Good morning, everyone. My name is Marie, and I'm reading um, Psalm 133 today, which is on page 503 of the Church Bibles. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life. Forevermore. Good morning, church. My name is Mandy. If we haven't met, our second Bible reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, and that can be found on page 948 if you're using the church Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 1, and we'll read through to verse 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thank you, Marie and Mandy. Well, hello again. Um, Let me pray before we dive into God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you that... um, your word is not, that the Bible is not just a dead book of words on a page, but that you take these words by your spirit and you use them to transform hearts and lives, to bring life where there was hopelessness and uh, 
We pray that that might happen this morning and that you'd give us understanding, but not just understanding. Please shape our hearts, change our hearts, so that we walk out of here today um, with a desire to live our lives for the Lord Jesus, for his honour, and to serve him and love each other. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this morning I'm, I'm doing something a little bit different. Uh, now, it's okay, it's not like we're not going to teach the Bible this morning, it's not that different. We're going to have a look at the Bible, but I'm going to take a break just before the last point. If you have a look inside your info sheet, there's an outline as normal uh, under Bible Talk Notes. When we get to looking ahead, uh, I'm going to st- sit down and the, the band's going to come up and we're going to sing our last song. After that, I'm going to get up again because as well as looking at our Bible passages from this morning, I'm going to spend some time talking about where we're headed as a church, where are we at the moment, and what's our vision and our our goals and dreams for next year and beyond. Uh, That's a little bit later, um, but we'll start off, like I said, looking at God's Word together. Now, for a lot of people in today's world, they're kind of attracted to the idea of Jesus, and the teachings of Jesus seem really interesting, but for a lot of people, their big question is, what's the big deal about church. Um, Just think about the kind of people who we have in our society today around us. Uh, What what sort of image of church do you think they have in their heads? Or what image of church do you have in your head? Uh, I think for a lot of people, especially maybe people from more traditional backgrounds, their idea of church is a quiet, mystical place, sometimes almost oppressive, where I come to feel God's presence. But uh, if you've had more connections to, to more contemporary evangelical churches, then maybe you've got a different idea of church. For you, church might be an uplifting place where I come to worship God. Uh, if you listen to a lot of the modern church songs, um, that'll, that'll reinforce this kind of idea. Songs like with words like, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. I realised I've never sung these words in English. I've sung them in Spanish, but so it sounds a bit weird to me to, to say them in English. But anyway, so they're two quite different images of church. What do they have in common? Well, they both focus on church as an individual experience. See, this is, this is about me and God. And I come to church to have a certain experience of God. And that fits in very nicely with our modern Western society, which has been more and more individualistic over the last couple of hundred years, really. But the problem with a view of church that centers on my experience of God is, well, what happens if I don't feel like I'm getting that experience or I don't feel like I need it anymore? Well, then I'm going to start asking myself, so what's the big deal about church? Why would I keep on coming I mean, like every Sunday. Why would I do that? So let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, let me, let's say I could guarantee that you're going to keep going and in fact you're going to keep growing in your faith in Jesus whether you come to church or not. Would that affect your motivation for being here every Sunday? Now, for starters, that's actually impossible. We're going to see that God has designed things so that we can't keep going and growing and ignore the rest of God's people. Um, 
But in any case, if your answer or if my answer was, well, yeah, I don't think I'd be so motivated to come to church if I knew I was going to keep growing, uh, then you and I need to listen very carefully um, to God's word this morning because we're going to hear a, a big reminder about what is the big deal about church. Why is church so important? Uh, not church as a building or an institution, but church as these people gathering together and being together. And so there's, there's one really basic, simple... I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at both of our Bible readings today. So we're going to start in Psalm 133 with one simple, basic concept, and then we're going to see how that... Uh, we're going to flesh it out a little from Ephesians chapter 4. So first of all, Psalm 133... Sorry, it's wrong on the, on the screen. It's Psalm 133. It's page 503. It was a blink-and-you-miss-it psalm, wasn't it? Three verses of... Oh, Where did that go? It's very short, very simple. It's all about just how beautiful life is when people live together in unity, in harmony. That's that's what verse 1 says, and verse 1 is pretty much the whole psalm. Okay, have a look at Psalm 133, page 503, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And in fact, it's so good, have a look at what it says at the end, the second half of verse 3. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Okay, and then in between that start and that finish, there are two basically poetic images, illustrations of just how beautiful and lovely it is when people live together in harmony. So in verse 2, it says it's like really high quality oil poured over your head and running down your face and your hair and into your beard for guys who've got beards. And I know you're just sitting there going, yeah, I love that. It's so nice. Like whenever I do that, it just feels so good. Yeah, okay, I don't do that either. Okay, this is, this is not a thing we do, okay? But in the ancient oil, uh, sorry, ancient world, in the ancient world, olive oil was like face lotion and hair moisturizer and body oil all, all in one, you see. Is it, it, and if you're going to go to a feast, this is what you do. You'd put oil on your face or in your hair, you know, slick was the look back then. But this was about feeling good and looking good. It's, it's a picture of pleasure and joy. That's how good it is when people are together in unity. And then the second illustration is in verse 3. Uh, it's basically, it's like heavy dew on the mountains, which gives life and refreshment to the land and the crops. We, we might say uh, it's like rain on a parched land uh, or like a, a cold drink on a hot day. That's how good it is. That's pretty much the whole psalm. It's saying being together and united is really, really good. Or, or is it? Is that all it is? Is it just saying it's good when people get on well with each other? Because uh, if it's just saying that, we could, we could just as easily apply it to your annual kids' soccer club barbecue. It's really good when they're together and they get on well. See, is this just Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney singing ebony and ivory living together in perfect harmony. Okay, who has no idea what that is? 
Who's never heard that song? Okay, I fear for your cultural education. This is like early 80s classic, classic, and the video clip, you've got to see it. Anyway, is it just about that? It's good when people are united. Well, there are two clues that this is actually about something deeper. See, first of all, in verse 3, it doesn't just talk about dew on the mountains. It says it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now, uh, Mount Zion is, is another name for Jerusalem. This wasn't any mountain. This was the, the city, the place where God chose to dwell and to rule as king. And so his people could come and gather around him and be in his presence on Mount Zion. And, the, and verse 2, if we go back to verse 2, it talks about that beautiful experience of oil running down into your beard. And then it says, running down on Aaron's beard, on the collar, down on the collar of his robe. Now, Aaron was the brother of Moses way back when God uh, rescued his people from Egypt and first made them his special chosen people. And so God made a, a covenant, an agreement with them, and part of that covenant was that he chose Aaron to be their high priest. So Aaron was, was their mediator. His job was to offer sacrifices for the sin of the people so that they could come into God's presence and gather around him without dying for their sin. It's quite an important job that Aaron had. See, for the people of Israel in the Old Testament, this psalm wasn't just about living together in perfect harmony. It was about the goodness of life together in Zion. It was about how good it was when God's people could gather together around God, around his throne, in, his, in Jerusalem with his chosen priest there to deal with his, their sin so that they could be together around God. That was where God had chosen to put his blessing and his life. So what does this have to do with us? Well, um, it turns out that in the Old Testament, Aaron, the high priest, and Mount Zion, when you go forward to the New Testament, it turns out that they were both symbols pointing to the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus is the one true priest who offered the perfect sacrifice for sin when he died on the cross. Jesus is the only one who can take away our sin so that we can be in God's presence. And Zion, Jerusalem in the Old Testament, was pointing forward to the, the heavenly city where Jesus is ruling now. And that's where everyone who belongs to Jesus will gather around him one day. So uh, for us, living this side of Jesus, all this points to the blessing and eternal life that God has provided through Jesus. But it's not just about how good it is for me to come to Jesus. This is about life together around Jesus. This is a picture of us together united in Jesus and gathered around him as one body. And that's where God has put blessing and life. See, his blessing in Jesus isn't for you, it's for us. It's for us as we do life together with Jesus in the center. And that means that church Church isn't just about being here in this building in Bosley Park on a Sunday morning. That's very important, obviously. But 
Church is also about us doing life together in our homes or at Maccas or calling each other up, um, helping each other deal with the messy things and the good things of life, but always pointing each other back to the Lord Jesus and to his promises and to his word. And this psalm is telling us it's very, very good. It's a beautiful thing to do life together around Jesus. Okay, now obviously, it's also something we often don't get right. It's, it's not easy to do, and sometimes church can be a lonely place, which is not the idea. I'll talk about that uh, later on a little bit more. But this is where God has chosen for us to find and enjoy blessing and life through Jesus in this group of people gathered together around Jesus, doing life together around Jesus. But what does that mean? What does it look like to do life together around Jesus? Well, I want to unpack that a little bit from our second Bible reading in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 was on page 948. Page 948. So I just want to look at two aspects of doing life together around Jesus. What does it look like? Well, the first thing is that God has called us to walk together in love. Walk together in love. Have a look at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Uh, Some other translations translate that. I urge you to walk in a way uh, that is worthy of the calling you've received. Okay, so so Paul's saying here that God has called us, if you've trusted in Jesus, God has called us to live a certain kind of life, to live a life that is consistent with Jesus and his call to make him uh, our Lord, to obey him as Lord. Okay, that's his call. But this is not an individual call. Okay, this is something we do together. You don't just walk out of here and all on your own live with Jesus as Lord because it's all to do with how we relate each other, with each other and treat each other. See, look how Paul explains that in verses 2 and 3. He says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay, so obeying Jesus is all about loving one another as we do life together. Okay, and that's how we maintain, keep the unity of the Spirit, Paul says. Okay, so our unity, we're united, and that's something that God has done. We didn't do that. God united us by connecting us all to his son Jesus when we trusted in him. So we are united together in Jesus. But Paul says that our job is to keep that unity by maintaining the bond of peace that we have with Jesus, okay? But what's very clear here is that keeping the unity of the Spirit is really, really hard. That's why Paul has to say, make every effort, because it ain't going to come easy. Or back in verse 2, he doesn't just say love each other. He says, well, loving each other, that's going to mean being humble and gentle, not biting off people's heads because they annoy you. Uh, And it means being patient and bearing with one another. It means putting up with each other, basically. Let me ask, are you ever ever surprised 
when you find it hard to love your brothers and sisters here at church or when you find it hard even to get on with them because we shouldn't be surprised we shouldn't be surprised uh, it's a bit like you know if you've got a really good friend you're such good friends get on really well and you go oh sorry if this is going to cause problems but you know bad experience anyway and you go let's go camping together and share a tent and then you discover that well their personal hygiene habits that you didn't know before uh, leave a lot to be desired or even worse if you try to flat together and live in the same you might discover that that beautiful close personal friend can be a complete pain in the neck quite frankly christians and that includes me and you, we can be a complete pain in the neck. We really can. Which is exactly why God has put us together and caused us to work out how to love one another. See, God doesn't ask you to be humble and patient and love Christians who are annoying for their sake. He does it for your sake. This is his part Part of his work of transforming us, transforming you. That's how God changes you and makes you more like his son Jesus who gave himself up for us, gave his life for us to serve us and to build us up when we were selfish and cruel and proud. And so now God changes us by putting us with other people who just like you still have selfishness and pride and all the rest in them, and he says, right, whatever it takes, learn to love them. Learn to give yourself up from them and for them and, and build them up just like I have loved you in my son. And if it's tough, well, toughen up. That is, make every effort. Make every effort. So one of the ways we live out that vision of Psalm 133 of doing life together in unity is by walking together in patient, putting up with each other, love. And the other way we live it out is by serving one another in practical ways. That's what Paul spells out in verses 7 to 16, uh, where he talks about the different gifts that the risen Lord Jesus has given to his people. Uh, There's heaps in this passage that I'm not going to look at, but the good thing is that if you were here a little while ago when James preached on gifts, he covered lots of the stuff that Paul talks about um, here. But I just want to mention three things that Paul shows us here. The first one is very simple. We are all given gifts, but those gifts aren't for our sake. Okay? We're given those gifts to serve our brothers and sisters. Gifts in the church are not about finding yourself. They're not about self-fulfillment. Okay? They're about what Paul says in verse 12. If you look down to verse 12, they are to equip his people for works of service, for serving others. Well, the second point uh, is that serving each other is crucial for the church to grow in maturity. Okay, so have a look at verse 12 again, but I'll keep reading a bit. So he says, uh, gifts are to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, One of my best friends, he was one of my groomsmen, is a minister at EV Church on the Central Coast. It's a very, very big um, evangelical church on the Central Coast. 
And his job is that he's in charge of their whole system of training and helping people to serve in teams of volunteers. Um, it's this massive machine. And I, I was chatting to him a little while ago, and he said, he said to me that the, the area of church where they most see people grow in their faith is just there, in, in these teams of volunteers serving together. Okay, now, of course, they grow by listening to sermons and all of that. But actually, he said, the place where we see people take off in their maturity of faith in Jesus and their commitment to, to living for him is when they start to serve each other in these intentional ways, in these teams of volunteers. See, sometimes uh, we can think that the way I'm going to grow as a Christian is by receiving good Bible teaching. And of course, that's true. Receiving good Bible teaching is, is essential. It's fundamental. But the thing which will really make our growth take off is when we respond to that, when we respond to Jesus and his love by sticking up our hands and going, so how can I love my brothers and sisters around me? How can I help them? Uh, that might be informal things like um, kids' ministry or morning tea, or, or it might just be visiting people who are lonely, uh, you know, calling them, seeing how they're going, visiting people in hospital, whatever. Okay, so first we're given gifts to serve. Secondly, we grow together through service. And the third thing we see here is that our serving each other begins and ends with gospel words. Now, uh, what do I mean by that? Well, go back to verse 11. So I, I kept on jumping in at verse 12, which is halfway through a sentence. Well, let's go back to the beginning of the sentence, the start of verse 11. Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Okay, so here Paul talks about a particular group of gifts or group of people in the church, uh, which are those who God has put to teach the Bible, to teach God's word, the, the gospel teachers uh, and preachers. And what Paul's saying, he's not saying that these people are more important or that their gifts are more important. But what he says is that those gifts of the word have a special purpose. Their purpose is to equip all of us, to serve each other. Okay, so as, as we sit under the teaching of the word week by week here in church or in your growth group, uh, God, by his spirit, changes our hearts so that we actually want to love and serve the people around us in whatever way we can. So that's why our service begins with gospel words through those particular people who God has given the church. But they're not the only ones who speak gospel words. Okay, as we grow in our faith and our trust in Jesus and our knowledge of God, all of you will start speaking God's word into each other's lives. Okay, and that's why, God, that's why Paul finishes this section, not just with everybody serving, but with everybody speaking. Okay, have a look at verse 15. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, so your particular gift might be, let's say, um, sweeping and 
washing up after morning tea. That might be your gift. But as you grow to know and love and trust Jesus more, you're going to do that more joyfully and you're going to start encouraging the other people out there in what a privilege it is. Isn't it great to be able to serve our brothers and sisters because Jesus served us by dying for us? Uh, or, or as you're washing up, you'll be chatting to the other people in the kitchen and, and talking about, hey, I got to share the gospel with this friend this week or talking about the things in, in the sermon that you found helpful or whatever. Uh, or, or as you're hanging out with each other, doing life together, uh, walking the dog together or, or catching up for coffee, whatever it is, and, and you hear other people talking about their struggles, you'll start encouraging them to keep on trusting in Jesus because he hears our prayers and, and he's faithful. Okay, so to, to speak gospel words into each other's lives, you don't need to be able to memorize Bible verses and prepare a 20-minute sermon, do you? just need to know and grow in the Lord Jesus and love people. So what does Psalm 133 look like in practice? What does it mean to live together in unity around Jesus? Well, it means to love each other with that humble, patient, put-up-with-each-other love. And it means to serve each other, both in practical ways, but also speaking gospel words so that we all grow together in Jesus. See, it's one thing to walk the road of Christian discipleship, of following Jesus. But the Bible doesn't just say walk. The Bible says, don't leave anybody behind. Don't leave anybody behind. Walk together and grow together by loving and serving each other for Jesus' sake. Um, See, I started off talking about our, our society and people's image of church, how it's a very individual image. Uh, I think people can think of church as, or the Christian life as like uh, individual pursuit cycling. It's like a solo cycling race. My, my goal is just to go hard and hopefully not fall off. And I come to church to give me the sort of spiritual stamina, the spiritual strength, spiritual muscles to keep going. But the Christian life is actually much more like team pursuit cycling. See, in team pursuit cycling, it's all about riding together and not leaving anybody behind. Because if even one member gets left behind, we all go slower. And actually, you've all got to cross the finish line together. Okay, I know that technically in team pursuit, you can drop off one person for the finish line. But in church, we don't even want to drop off one. Okay, it's even more than team pursuit cycling. Church is about nobody getting left behind. Well, what has all of that got to do with us as a church at St. Barnabas? That's what I want to talk about after we sing. Uh, I'm going to step down now and take a bit of a break. Afterwards, I'm going to step out of sermon mode and go into where are we as a church and where are we going to head? Please stand and join us as we sing. Okay, now, um, actually, before I get onto that second bit that I'm going to get onto, uh, which is looking ahead, um, I realized I completely forgot to do something earlier in Family News, so I'm going to do it now because I put it on Facebook, but Facebook's not everything, is it? Um, so we have a new dad here today. Who might be a new dad? Uh, I wonder. Seb! Seb is off the back. Uh, Seb and Jess. 
While we were cruising here, just having fun, chilling out, last Sunday they were recovering from the birth of Archie at about 2 o'clock in the morning, last Sunday. So there you go, go and um, tap to Seb and you know, make his hands sore from all the handshakes. So, there you go. Okay, so we've seen uh, some... 133 in Ephesians 4, what has all that got to do with us as a church, St. Barnabas? Um, Like I said, I'm going to step out of sermon mode now and tell you a little bit about where we are and where we want to head as a whole church. So last year, at our whole church weekend away, we launched our St. Barnabas motto, which is gather, grow and go. This is what we're on about as a church. We want people to gather together, to come to know Jesus and gather with us around his word We want people to grow in their faith in Christ, uh, and also we want to grow out as more people join us, and then we want to go out into our lives, into the world as followers of Jesus, speaking and living for him, and we want to support people like the Websters, Kate and BJ, who've gone even further than that. That's who we are as a church, and then this year at our big day out, I set a more specific goal that we want to be a church that grows. Uh, A church that grows, especially a church that grows out in number, not just in maturity, but we want more people around us to hear about about the Lord Jesus and to turn to him and be saved. And uh, that was where it got all a little bit weird. Um, I invited everyone to hop on board the St. Barnabas towards growth, and I don't know how we ended up there, but we did. There you go. Um, But as stage one in our vision and our desire to be a church that grows, we said, well, the most important thing is not just to say, get out there and talk to everyone about Jesus. The most important thing is to get on our knees and pray, because in the end, it all depends on God. So that's why this year, 2018, has been our St. Barnabas year of prayer. We've been doing lots of other things, but we've also been trying to help each other grow in depending on God and delighting in God constantly. Um, we've still got a term to go of our year of prayer. I think we can do a lot more growing in, in prayer. But what's stage two going to be? What's our, what's our focus going to be next year? Is it going to be evangelism? Not yet. Not, of course we're going to be doing evangelism and, and working at that next year, but that's not what our theme is going to be. Here it is, the official launch You heard it here first, unless you heard it somewhere else. Uh, 2019 is going to be the St. Barnabas year of growing together. The year of growing together. When when we talked about this um, in staff planning, uh, Vino from Fairfield pointed out that it's very important that we say this right. It's the year of growing together. Okay, so we've got to get our marketing department on this. They'll work on it for months and then go two full stops. That'll be it. So next year, we want to spend a year working on the things that we've seen from Psalm 133 and Ephesians 4 uh, of doing life together around Christ, not leaving anyone behind, working really hard at loving each other with genuine love, both in words and in practical ways, all through the week, not just in all of life. So like I said, church can be a lonely place for some people. And that's why we want to spend next year working on these things working on this together, and especially we want to equip and encourage and help every St. Barnabas member to be active in serving without feeling like this is just a burden and a chore. Okay, so here's the second official launch, though some of you have heard about this um, already, but 
Uh, in the last couple of months, we've, we've started to implement a new kind of system of ministry teams. Um, now, this is... Uh, and ministry teams, this is not about our paid ministry stuff. This is about all of you, all of us, okay, serving in little teams together. Um, now, in some ways, this is, this is not a radical change. In some ways, these teams will be doing lots of the same things we did before. Uh, so, for example, we've always rostered people on to read the Bible. We're still going to be reading the Bible in church, obviously. But we don't just want to roster people on for doing certain jobs. We actually want to put people into teams to work together, say, have a little Bible reading team. And we will then, my job and James's job will be to give those teams a vision for what this ministry is. How does it fit in with the gospel? How does it fit in with our, who we are as a church that gathers, grows and goes? How does it fit in with reaching more people uh, with the message of the Lord Jesus? So it might be with a Bible reading team. Uh, their vision is to help everybody hear and understand God's word in a more helpful way so that they can hunger to know God. Something like that. Okay? And we then give the team the responsibility of working out what's the best way to make that vision happen. Okay, so our job is to, is to set the vision. The job of the team is to go, let's, do, let's work out how to do this well. And you guys will come up with, with much better ideas than me because I'm trying to juggle 50 balls at once and so I can't really think about any of them um, as much as I should. Now, that new kind of method is underway, but that's what we, we want to work on in 2019 to help people and empower people in serving together um, in ministry teams. But what about evangelism? Where does, where does that fit in? Well, this is actually part of our longer-term goal of being a church that grows and of reaching more people with the message of Jesus. Uh, see, growing together is actually one of the things which should help us grow out as well. And you can see how it should work from what Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35. He said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So uh, as we grow together um, in knowing and following Jesus, unbelievers around us should see that and should discover just how amazing it is to know Christ and to be together uh, around him, to be part of his body. But how does that actually happen? Well... That's one of our challenges for next year. Uh, we want to work out how to do life together around Jesus, but in a way that actually includes and brings in um, unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus, so that they see how good it is. Okay? But maybe you're thinking, Stephen, I don't care. It's not enough. We need to be working on evangelism. That's, that's what this is supposed to be about. Well, there's more. All of this will lead up to 2020, which will be our big year of evangelism, but not just for us. Our um, esteemed Bishop Peter Lynn has announced that 2020 is going to be a whole year of evangelism for the Georges River, all the Anglican churches in the Georges River region of Sydney, which we're a part of. Um, so we're going to be part of that 100%. We kind of got no choice because Pete's told us, but that's okay. That's, it's good. We want to do this. And uh, from everything I've seen, it just looks fantastic and really, really encouraging. Um, the theme, am I allowed to tell them the theme for the... Okay, okay. So the plan is that the theme for the mission will be very simple, John 3.16. Okay, who can... I'm not going to ask you to, but who could 
tell us now who could say John 3.16? Okay, quite a few, but not everyone. Don't worry. By very early in 2020, you will not only be able to say John 3.16 in your sleep, you'll be able to explain the good news of Jesus to people using John 3.16. And this is going to be a whole year of the churches in our area helping each other and supporting each other, doing everything we can so that everyone in this part of Sydney hears something about Jesus and has a chance to turn to him, to respond to him. Um, Because of that, next year we're going to start preaching through John's Gospel. Very slowly, we're going to take quite a long time to do it. Uh, We're going to be working through John's Gospel. And as well as that, next year is going to be the regional, George's River region, year of prayer. Now, we're way ahead of them, aren't we? We're just ahead of the eight ball, but that's okay. They can take our ID. That's fine. And of course, we want to keep praying. We want to keep the momentum going from our year of prayer uh, this year. Um, well, I hope um, all that made sense, and I hope you find it encouraging to hear about where we're, where we're heading as a church and what our hopes and prayers and desires are. And I hope there was lots today as we looked at God's Word to help you think about how we can be a church that does life together around Jesus, how we can love each other and, and serve each other better even now. But the main thing that I want to ask you to do today is to commit to this vision and to be part of where we're heading as a church. Uh, so I want to ask you to, uh, to commit to doing your part in 2019, to us growing together so that no one's left behind Um, so that we're working really hard to love each other patiently, uh, so that every person is cared for, so that each one of us serves uh, one another in some meaningful way, so that in the end, lots and lots of people around will see the love that we have for each other and we will be drawn to the one who's poured that love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. That's my prayer and and, uh, goal for today. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to pray to close, but first of all, I thought I'd ask whether there are any questions about um, all of that that I've shared. David. Do I know what shape and form the evangelism will take place? No, because it does, it's not going to have a set form imposed from above. Um, the way it's going to work is that each... So the George's River region is a very big region of Sydney. Within that, the Anglican ministers get together and meet anyway in things called mission teams, missionaria, missionaria teams, something like that. Uh, so basically, it'll be up to each of the churches in a certain part of that um, to get together and to work out how they want to support each other. Um, what the, off, you know, the people in head office will do will be get together as many resources as they can to help us and ideas and, and things like that to help us. But in the end, it'll be, it'll be up to us. Um, now, we are, in terms of us, my gut feeling is that we are one of the bigger churches and um, in this particular part of the Georges River region. And so I think for us, it's going to be thinking about, well, what are some ways in which we can invite some of the smaller churches around us to be involved in what we're doing um, to help them? to reach out but it's all blank sheets of paper and brainstorming any other questions Tony would it be a good idea to have a dry run at some evangelism about four weeks time what a great idea like I was hoping to put I was 
thinking of putting off all evangelism until 2020. Absolutely. So our December mission, first week of December, please be praying about that, part of the year of prayer. Um, I do want us to spend lots of time praying and preparing. And yeah, we, we want to go hard as possible, first week of December. Um, I'm planning to start talking to you very soon about things like, would you be able to billet a uni student or a couple of uni students because we'll have a uni team coming again um, to help us. We'll have our carols. Uh, I have in my office at home a box of books for giving away um, to people, which is, it's, it's a book called When Santa Learned the Gospel. It's a little kid's picture book. It is one of the best gospel res- Christmas resources I've seen. It sounds bad, I know. Like I saw the title, When Santa... When Santa what did I say? When Santa heard the gospel. I saw that and thought, oh, that's, it's really good. Okay, what, don't worry about it. Whatever you think of Santa or anything like that, it's really, really good uh, in terms of a clear gospel explanation. Like this box of books sitting there, we've got... So yeah, um, there's lots of stuff coming up in December for evangelism. Any other questions? Okay, let me pray. If you have more questions and you were shy, come and ask me afterwards. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our Lord Jesus who loved and served us by dying, by humbling himself and taking the form of a servant, a slave and giving himself up to death on a cross for us. Thank you that you raised Jesus to life, that he is reigning and ruling as the king over all things and that one day he will return and draw all those who trust in him. Take all of us, raise us in your new creation to be around your throne forever, together in Jesus. And Father, we pray that uh, even now, as we continue to sit under your word, you would shape and transform our hearts so that we love each other deeply and patiently, even when it's hard and we put up with each other and learn to love each other. And help us even now to think about how we can start serving and helping and encouraging in whatever way is suitable for us, our brothers and sisters. And we pray that through this, we might grow to be more like Jesus and others might come to know him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of reminders before we head to morning tea. Um, If uh, growth groups have started again,